I'm looking for similarities in the way troublemakers think. This is Steve St. Clair, co-founder of Trouble Group. Join us as we learn from others who are shaking things up. Rob Nooner is CEO and co-founder of Boost Oxygen. The best description I've seen on Rob's company is from their website. Founded in 2007, Boost Oxygen has been the entrepreneurial pioneer for developing a brand new retail category, 95% pure supplemental oxygen in lightweight, portable, and affordable canisters. It's used for health, for recovery, natural energy, and athletic performance. Welcome, Rob. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. You know, I usually start these things off by asking my troublemakers what the market was like when they walked into it, but there was no market in the U.S. for what you were doing. You found something, improved it, and brought it to the U.S. Is that pretty well sum it up? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there were a few very, very small players with minuscule distribution. I think they're just people testing the waters as well that I found out after we were in the marketplace here. So yeah, but we. We took the idea from uh, the Czech Republic in Germany, came back and improved upon what they were doing over there and uh, introduced it to the United States. So what were some of the improvements you made? The cans over in Europe, basically just a regular steel aerosol can with a secondary mask that you had to uh, pl- take off, place onto the aerosol valve and press down with your right hand while holding the can with your left hand. So it was a, basically a two-handed uh, actuation. So you couldn't ride a bike with it. You couldn't just use it with, quickly with one hand with a trigger. So we we sort of made, uh, and also the, the mask that we saw over in Europe wasn't really ergonomic. It didn't really fit over the mouth so well. It was kind of a, a hard plastic that wasn't very comfortable over the mouth. So we, uh, yeah, we took the idea, we molded my mouth with, with clay, and we made a mask that was more comfortable, uh, ergonomic, and would actually be, uh, be one-handed use and be used better. Which makes a lot of sense if you're 10,000 feet climbing over boulders, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly. Used it many times doing that. Perfect. So I understand Boost Oxygen has been flying off the shelves during uh, COVID-19. Yeah, no, it has been. Uh, oddly so. You know, we weren't expecting it. I mean, obviously, you know, it started in China, sort of moved to South Korea. And then we have a Prague office. We actually we sell into Europe now as well. And we, uh, we store the product in, in the Czech Republic and we sell it on Amazon uh, and through distributors throughout Europe. And my uh, partner in, in the Czech Republic sent me an article from a South Korean newspaper that's saying that oxygen was being used for to alleviate some of the symptoms of the COVID-19. You know, oxygen is, is used for respiratory conditions, and so oxygen was being used in South Korea. And I guess this article went viral, and, and he sold out in a day. Then that article sort of made it over to the United States about a week later, and uh, we sold out in about two days. And not completely sold out. You know, we, we sold out. We did about six months of sales in about two days. We had components we didn't have finished product, but our, 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 um, we stepped up and our, our suppliers really did a good job keeping us supplied throughout the whole crisis. Yeah, it was crazy. It was unexpected. I, I'm not sure if it was sort of the toilet paper hoarding mentality, like people thought, heard that oxygen was good for the COVID and, and bought us out because of that and not to use it, just to hoard it. Our large can normally goes for 
on Amazon and people were selling it for like $75. <laughs> we were like reporting, wow. we were reporting it to Amazon that hey, these people are gouging. You know, we, we can't have people gouging either. And uh, so yeah, it, was, it was quite a time, we very, very unexpected. But yeah, people, you know, oxygen is, is a respiratory support product. You know, the COVID-19 is, is a respiratory disease. And so supplemental oxygen helps get more oxygen to the bloodstream and then to the cells. And so when that's restricted, we help. Now, on some of your YouTube videos, I noticed you go into great depth about something most people never think of, I imagine, which is how much oxygen are we breathing? People, I guess, they, they forget their high school science classes, maybe, right? Yeah, well, it's surprising. I mean, it, there's only 21% oxygen gas in the air we're breathing right now. Most of it's actually nitrogen, 78%. That's actually inert. It doesn't do anything for you. The last 1% is inert gases like argon, CO2, other, other things. So most people don't know that. They think actually breathing air is 100% oxygen. It's like, you know, well, I'm breathing in more oxygen when I'm breathing air. And we get people online and social media saying, oh, you guys are just selling canned air. It's like, well, not really. <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's, not, it's not canned air. If it was canned air, it'd be mostly nitrogen. And you can go into an ambulance or if you go into a hospital and they give you oxygen, they're not just giving you air. They're giving you purified, concentrated oxygen, which is actually a very efficacious, potent gas. We have all these other statistics, you know, how, how breathing pure oxygen gas has a lot of beneficial attributes. So, yeah, no, so we, we get a lot of that. People don't understand that there's only 21% oxygen in the air you're breathing. And if you go to you know, places like Colorado and Denver, uh, there's a lot less. And it doesn't take long for people to feel kind of crummy uh, when they do get less oxygen. And it's not only because the altitude. It could be a whole bunch of other reasons why, why people have become oxygen deficient. And uh, that's, 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 we try to educate as much as we can. I got the sense from the website and possibly from talking to you earlier that this has a big following among pilots. Is that correct? Yes. The, 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 not the jet pilots, but the pilots who go up um, in non-pressurized cabins. If they're flying along at you know, 5,000 feet, 6,000 feet, and weather comes along, or they have to go over a mountain and they're forced to go up to 10,000 feet, well, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, requires them to carry oxygen in their planes. And if they do go over I believe it's 12,000 feet, they're required to use the oxygen mask. So their performance isn't affected. If they go above 8,000 feet, 9,000 feet, they could also have their performance affected. It's, that's when altitude sickness occurs. And uh, a lot of them use boost oxygen. We're, we're, we have a lot of great partners in the personal aviation industry that sell us and use us. And uh, it's a nice thing to have on hand. And some of these pilots have passengers and they, you know, at eight, 9,000 feet, they go, oh, dad, you know, or uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little mm. lightheaded. Hey, here, have some oxygen. Yeah. And they feel much better. So it's a very convenient, inexpensive way to combat the altitude. So tell me some of the, the challenges in your startup and, and, and in your history, because you started in uh, 2007. That's yeah, you've been you're well you're well established. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was sort of a it was an interesting story. Um, and we we got started in 2007. Uh, it took us about a year to develop the mask, to develop the actuator, uh, to design the can. Uh, we designed a can uh, that was a, a, a steel can, and we started to sell it. And it was selling well and, uh, for about a year. Uh, and the Department of Transportation came by and said, "You can't sell." the oxygen out of a steel can uh, at the pressures that you want to. And we said, well, why not? We, we, <laughs> there's nothing in here that says you can't. And I mean, the, the, this 49 CFR is what we were referring to. It's the uh, Code of Federal Regulations. 
And uh, they said, well, there's nothing that says you can, but we have a list of the, of the canisters that you can use and the steel canister is not on there. So uh, <laughs> we had to, we, so we applied for special permits. We got a special permit uh, to be able to use an aluminum can, uh, which, uh, which worked out better. We re- redesigned a little bit and it is actually a blessing in disguise because what we thought like if, if you ask people what an oxygen can looks like or an oxygen tank looks like, everyone knows it's a silver tank with a green cap. Uh, so we said, and, oh, and a scuba mask. Exactly, right. So <laughs> Jacques Cousteau, right. <laughs> right. So it's like, why don't we make, now we're using an aluminum canister, why don't we make our canister look like a miniature oxygen tank so when people see that, you know, viscerally, they'll understand what it is. And it worked out well. So we, 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 uh, we had to <laughs> six months of, of scrambling around, um, you know, while the DOT said we couldn't ship anymore. And uh, but yeah, so we came out with the, with the aluminum can and uh, it's worked out really well. So a man who goes by the nickname Mr. Wonderful played a part in your success, right? Uh, well, recently, yeah, Kevin O'Leary, we went on Shark Tank uh, about a year ago. It was in October, actually. They, they aired it. We filmed it last June. And uh, you know, we, we, uh, we, we presented in front of the, the five sharks. So we had a really great time with it. And Mike Rice and I, my COO. But at the end of the day, Mr. Wonderful uh, stepped up and said he wanted to invest in our business. So we, uh, we agreed to the, to the deal. We, we signed him up. Well, actually, we only signed him up fairly recently. And uh, he's out there promoting it. And he's a great salesperson. And, he, and he's actually a really, and he's a really good guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he really definitely wants to see, you know, not just us, but all of his entrepreneurs succeed. Um, so we were very, because we went into the, the whole Shark Tank uh, with sort of an idea of who we wanted, who we kind of didn't want um, in terms of who we were hoping to get an offer from. Uh, and he was actually our top shark. I mean, we thought that he would be the best match for us uh, in terms of communicating to the public what we're all about and, uh, and, and, and getting more wide-scale distribution. Yeah, absolutely. I, he, he seems perfect for it with also his retail-ish experience. Um, right, right. So yeah. I want to dig yeah. into this a bit because I've noticed a few things about you just looking at your website and talking to you. Um, you guys take advantage of opportunities really well. Mm-hmm. Like you've got something on the site right now um, that talks about mask fatigue with regards to COVID-19. Oh, yeah. Face, yeah. Face mask fatigue. Yeah. So that, that was interesting. You know, that was actually brought to us. We had, um, you know, frontline nurses uh, emailing us saying we're using your product uh, because we're being forced to use forced to wear masks for, you know, 12 hour shifts and we're getting headaches. We're getting all these things. And, you know, we're giving them discounts and we're we're supplying them as much as we could. So we did some more research on it and it apparently it's a thing. You know, if people are have these masks are breathing these masks for an extended period of time, uh, not only are they getting anywhere between five and 20 percent less oxygen intake, which causes hypoxia. They're also rebreathing in their CO2 that they're, they're breathing out. This is something called hypercapnia. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and both are sort of symptoms of, of altitude sickness. The same thing that happens at altitude. You have a CO2 oxygen imbalance in your, um, in your cells, and you also have uh, less oxygen intake in your blood. So, uh, and that you have headaches and nausea. It's the same, same symptoms. So, this was presented to us. I'm like, you know, uh, it made sense when you sort of look at what causes uh, this face mask fatigue. We started educating people about it, 
and showing that this is this is what oxygen can be for. And any low oxygen situation, supplemental oxygen can really help. And you know, we got a couple of people actually said, oh, you're trying to sell or profit off of this whole face mask thing. You're encouraging people not to wear face masks. And we're like, no, 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 we're, we're encouraging people to wear face masks. We understand that they have to wear face masks. And But you know, as people go back to work uh, and are forced to wear face masks all day, this is something that's going to be a problem. And it, it, not for all people, you know, and this is another thing about an altitude sickness that I'll go into in a second. But um, if, if people are you know, having issues with uh, you know, their, their oxygen levels during the day uh, because they're forced to, to wear the mask, which they should, then you know, we, we just help out in a very um, inexpensive, convenient way, which they wouldn't, they wouldn't normally think about. They would just sort of suffer through the day and, um, or take their mask off, which is, which is even worse. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you don't want that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely something that we can help help people with. And, uh, you know, we just want to educate people as to uh, the efficacy of what it is. Also, the curious thing about altitude sickness and, and what they found in, um, well, actually, the U.S. Army did a study, an official study, that there is a genetic component to altitude sickness. I mean, everyone's going to get altitude sickness over, I think, 8,000 feet or 9,000 feet above sea level. But the severity and who gets it is actually, there's a genetic component to it. And I guess the Army was doing a research study because they, they would drop troops onto high altitude venues in Afghanistan. And they wanted to know if they dropped someone off at 10,000 feet, whether or not that soldier was going to get altitude sickness and be a liability. So they found out that there is a genetic component uh, to altitude. It has nothing to do with your uh, the shape that you're in or, or your gender or uh, how much you weigh or how old you are. It's a genetic component. The severity of the altitude sickness. And we're finding, curiously enough, that, you know, wow. if, uh, and it's the way people deal with epoxy, essentially. Uh, so there may be a genetic component to, you know, people with their face mask fatigue, whether or not some people can wear a mask for 10 hours a day and feel fine. Other, per, other people wear a mask for an hour and really feel it. Right. So uh, I, think it's, I think it's a very similar type of a situation. Going back to Shark Tank, were there any, I've heard, I've talked to a couple other people who were on the show or almost made it yeah. on the show. And I get the sense that there are ways that you can increase your chances of success. Right. Did you guys think up any tricks or something, anything like that that you pulled? Yeah, no, it was, it was one of those things, you know, um, you, you, you look at the data uh, of what's, you know, who made it on and, you know, what, what percentage of the people that get aired get a deal, uh, what percentage don't get a deal, um, and also, you know, how uh, much of a, a showman you really want to be. I mean, people go crazy, you know, and do oh, yeah. really wild things on the show, and that's not really us. You know, we, we sell oxygen. It's sort of a serious thing. Uh, and, you know, most of what we do is, is trust-based. You know, people, we're asking people to breathe something um, that they don't know. Like, yeah, it's, it says it's oxygen, um, and, but, you know, they, they don't know that we take all quality control standards to fill it and make sure that it's 95% pure oxygen and the testing that we do and the sanitizing that we do at, at the plant. So, you know, we have to come across as, as, being, as being trustworthy, as people that you can believe. And you can't really do that if you're being a showman. And so it was, it was sort of a fine balance as to how we presented ourselves on, on the show and to the sharks. But being by a less of a, like it's, a, it's, a, it's reality TV. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're not entertaining, you don't get on. So it's, uh, but we we're very fortunate to get on yeah. and, and sort of strike that fine balance. And, you know, getting a deal actually helped out as well, I think, 
65% of the people that they air get a deal. I think 35% don't get a deal. Mm. So I think if you get a deal, your percentages of, of being aired are better. And so no, we, we, we researched it and it worked out really well. Yeah, I knew a guy, I won't, I won't mention his name. He got on and I think he purposefully tanked it. Oh, really? Because he, he wanted to make sure, he didn't want the money. He didn't want them, anyone else owning his company that he had built over many years. But I think he purposefully handicapped himself so that he would be entertaining enough <laughs> that they would air the show. And they right. did. <laughs> he, he got on? He did. Yeah, he made oh, it on great. air. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's good. That's Very, good. Which, is an, oh. which is another, um, speaking of, it's another interesting tactic. Which brings me to my next question. Typically, in any product category that sells at retail, the main issue is is getting on a shelf. It's shelf space. Yes. And I'm guessing your main challenge in getting space at retail is product education. Am right. I right about that? Absolutely. Uh, to the buyer and to the consumer. Yeah. Our biggest challenge, and, and it continues today, and uh, we asked this question internally, if you, uh, as a consumer, wanted to go buy oxygen, where would you buy it? What's the yeah. first place you would think of going to get it? And an elderly, elderly a store that sells things for the elderly, I think. Yeah, maybe. right. That, that's, that, that's, and I, I agree. And that's one of the places uh, many people would say pharmacy um, because oxygen right. is, is known as something that uh, is therapeutic. Mm -hmm. uh, other people would say a sporting goods store because football players use oxygen on the sidelines right. and, and oxygen is used for sports. So it should be at, you know, a place like Dick's. Mm -hmm. Other places, you know, people would say, no, it should be like a Bed Bath & Beyond or, or a Walmart or a Target. And they say, well, where should it be? Or like a vitamin shop. You know, the, it has a lot of different places where it could be. Right. Uh, and even in the store, uh, you know, you go to a Walmart and it's like, well, where should you be in a Walmart? Should you be in the pharmacy? Should you be in the sporting goods department? Should you be in uh, an impulse buy? Should you be uh, in the nutritional supplements? I mean, it's, a, it's kind yeah. of and because it's a new category. We're, we're, we're not a drink. We're not a nutritional supplement. We're a therapeutic gas that people are inhaling and no one else does something like this. So yeah, it's, it's been an education for the buyers uh, and, the, uh, and our customers alike. We, we found, and like a lot of, you know, we have CPAP stores, you know, CPAP stores uh, where people um, are, are poorly oxygenated at night uh, are selling it. And uh, so, because uh, they get the more oxygen in the morning when they wake up. Uh, so uh, hockey stores, you know, we have, we have the New York Rangers and the Islanders are using mm -hmm. it on their benches. So we have places like Total Hockey and, and Pure Hockey or, 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 or some of our retailers. So yeah, it, there's, a, there's a broad swath and there's a huge education curve that we try to stay in front of. I understand from a previous conversation that your number one state in the in sales is Colorado, which makes complete sense, of course. Yeah. Lots of high altitude uh, destinations. I'm sure Utah's doing okay and some other parts of the Rockies, right? Yep, absolutely. Montana, even the Sierras in California, and uh, New Mexico, Wyoming. That makes for an easier sale and easier to get shelf space. Because there's just an understanding out there. If you've had oxygen deprivation above 10,000 feet, as I have, you'll look for it in a store and you'll bring it with you next time yeah. now that you know about it. Selling in other places obviously presents more challenges because there's less awareness. I find it really interesting that, there, as you said a second ago, there are so many different situations that you can find yourself in, but you may or may not think that you need oxygen to improve things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. You go back to Colorado 
And it took us a long time to really get a foothold there because the people who you're selling to in Colorado are from Colorado and they're not experiencing these problems. Oh. And so you, we went to all these stores. We, we have fantastic retailers out there now, great friends, great partners, are really loyal. And, and so it's seasonal. So you go in each season and say, hey, how about some oxygen? It's like, oh, no. That that doesn't help, you know. I don't need it. I, I don't feel anything. You know, it's like, well, it's not for you. It's for you, your customers coming in. And so it was a it was like probably a two or th- to four year trek to finally gain some traction with the retailers, even in Colorado, to sort of convince them, say, hey, you know, your customers who are coming here want this, and they may they may even not know that they want it. But you know, people say the nice thing actually, it's kind of been almost like a a triple win is that. People would go to Colorado once and for one time and they would get the altitude sickness and they'd go home and they'd never come back. And we were able to sort of educate people to say, listen, if people come to Colorado to use the oxygen for the first couple of days, they're going to feel fine. They're going to feel much better. And guess what? They're going to come back. They're going to really enjoy their time there. They're not going to leave Colorado with the, the first impression that they just got sick. You know, they say you know, they use some oxygen. They feel great the first couple of days and then they don't have to use it anymore. And and then the retailers appreciate that because it helps people, helps the whole image of Colorado and helps people go to the mountains. It becomes more of a viable thing for people to do and, and not experience the deleterious effects of the altitude. Right. Yeah, it took a while to get that foothold. But yeah, and, and the same thing holds true, you know, in sporting goods and right. like a lot of the NHL teams have contacted us because they would love to have an oxygen tank on their bench, but the benches, even the NHL, are really tight. So the oxygen tank doesn't fit. So they buy from us. We don't give the product away. We, we, you know, we buy from us. Sure. So it fits right next to the Gatorade bottle. It's very, it's very compact and they can use the oxygen during the game. And then from there, you know, you educate more people like football players. Okay, well, they have, you know, only major programs, NFL teams and like the, the big Alabamas and Clemsons of the world have oxygen on the sidelines. But you say you want the oxygen in the, in the huddle. <laughs> you know, like these, these guys are huffing and puffing third and fourth quarters. They don't have the opportunity to go to the sidelines to get the oxygen. Use the oxygen in the huddle. And then we have swimmers, you know, swimmers are swimming in chlorinated mm. pools and they have, you know, exercise induced asthma because they're breathing in chlorine gas. If, if I use oxygen, I, I, I get to breathe better. Yeah. But the most difficult thing is oxygen in canisters has never really been a viable product for people to choose from. So they never really thought about oxygen. They, they've dehydrated. Yeah, they have water, they have Gatorade. They need a nutritional supplement. You know, yeah, they have all these different types of bars and powders. But for your respiratory, there was never an option. So people were like, okay, I'm, I'm sucking wind. I've got to go sit out for two minutes. And that was sort of normal. And uh, still people said, that's, that's normal. I've got to go take a breather. It's like, well, if you use oxygen, right. you would breathe faster and get back in the, in the game, not winded, faster. And people are, I think, slowly catching on to that concept, that oxygen is something that is accessible, available, convenient, and efficacious. I don't know if it's still happening, but uh, in New York, the New York area where I live, there were oxygen bars popping up. Is yeah? Do you do you sell to them? They're not really in New York City anymore. Uh, they're in Las Vegas, and yes, we do sell to all those. Um, oh. And actually, they're they're a very good customer of ours too. And the whole point of the oxygen bars: when you drink alcohol, you become oxygen deficient. And people, well, what do you mean? So, well, if you have, if you drink three beers or two glasses of wine, would you go for a five mile run? <laughs> so, well, no. Why? I, I, I'd be out of breath within the first hundred yards. Why? Exactly. Why? 
Uh, right. I don't know, because you're deficient in oxygen. The oxygen in your blood metabolizes the alcohol. It's just the process that the body goes through. If you add more oxygen, you feel better. You, you feel winded. You replace the oxygen that's lost in your bloodstream. You replace the oxygen that's lost in your cells. So when people get hungover, they get the headache because actually the brain uses 20% of all the oxygen that you, you take into your body. So when you're deficient, if you breathe oxygen the next day, you supplement the oxygen in your blood and you feel better. So back to the oxygen bars. What they do in Las Vegas and what they used to do in New York City, they have flavors, basically aromas that they use. And there are so many different aromas that they use in, in, uh, in Las Vegas. But we also picked other aromas because we got that idea from the oxygen bars. Yeah, I saw the uh, menthol one. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So, Rob, digging in a little deeper here, go back to 2007 before Boost existed. Mm -hmm. What was going through your head? Why did you think you were the person to do this? Uh, well, it was a great idea. And then think of the stars sort of aligned. Um, yeah. uh, I, I just sold another business. I was in the beer import business and uh, I not enough to retire on. And uh, I went out to uh, dinner uh, with uh, actually a Keats uh, restaurant in New York City uh, with my best friend from growing up. And uh, his father uh, was, was a titan in the aerosol industry. Uh, and so we were talking, so my friend says to me, so what are you going to do now? And I said, I had no idea. It's like, oh God, uh, it's like, well, I'll, I'll start another business. And he, and my friend actually goes to Germany a lot. And I was in, I go to, I was going to the Czech Republic, uh, two or three times a year. And he said, well, you ever see these oxygen canisters? And I said, yeah, no, I've seen them in the Czech Republic. And he goes, yeah, no, I've seen them in Germany. Actually, I use them when I get there and I use them for jet lag. And uh, he goes, you ever think about looking into that? And I said, interesting. And he goes, yeah, well, my dad can help you out because, you know, he, he's in the aerosol business and, you know, he can, he can sort of lead you through how to get this thing started. And I said, oh, that, that, that's, it's very, very interesting. Let me research this more. And as I researched it more, you know, one thing led to another. I said, yes, there's, yes, there's a market. Yes, there is demand. Uh, no, there's no other competing product here. Yes, there is uh, other people in other countries doing it successfully. And so, you know, why I was the right person to do it, maybe I was just the right person at the right time, you know, an entrepreneur uh, looking for something to do. But also, I was an athlete. And so, I, I understood why football players would use oxygen on the sidelines, and I appreciated it. And so, I understood the concept of it. And uh, was it on my radar prior to that, that uh, dinner? Absolutely not. But then one thing led to the other, and I, I was very intrigued by it, and it was, it was, it was a good road to go down. I'll tell you why I ask. I've, I've been in marketing my whole career, a uh, creative person, and I was working on a wireless account who shall remain nameless. Wireless cell phones, a big one in the Northeast. And I saw what was happening with SMS, short messages in, in uh, especially Japan and, and Scandinavia. And I set the head of marketing down and I said, you guys have to get on this. Your phone already does SMS. You're not spending even a nickel educating people about it or, or claiming it for your own. And his biases against his, his just with no data at all, the answer was no. What's the question? You didn't do that. Why? Yeah. What happened in your head that you said, I see opportunity versus, eh, they're not buying it. No one's over there using it. I'm not going to do it. 
Interesting. You know, I, I think I just have an open mind, and you can, and you can see uh, that if if something isn't done, and and you and you see value in it, I immediately saw value in it. It wasn't like and funny because I, I like you, you know, I, you speak to people and you say something that seems obvious, and you get just a lot of initially negative feedback. And I've I've never been that way. And I, funny, I, I, I tell my kids the story. Because I was in the beer business before, I knew I was importing beer, and we did you know tastings almost every weekend. And you could tell people would come up to the table, and just by their facial expression, you could tell whether or not they would like your beer before they tasted it. <laughs> there's some people that were closed-minded people, and there's some people that are open-minded people. And, and it was kind of funny because like you could say that this is like this is Budweiser, you know, and uh, you like Budweiser, and I just switched the label on you, and they would still you know, have that negative visceral reaction sure but, but they're just closed-minded people and, and it's funny like when, when you say when you spoke to an executive it's it's funny how someone could be an executive <laughs> and be closed-minded because usually i think people who are successful in life are not closed-minded are, are people who are open-minded and look for solutions and uh, other things to go along with solving problems so that's that's, that's, a, that's a funny story because yeah no, I, I was, i've never really been a closed-minded person uh, I've always been very open-minded to the point where I like to learn more information and then yeah. then form a decision rather than just having a visceral negative reaction, which I just think is just counterproductive. Yeah, and I think maybe we're in this part of the conversation, maybe we're getting close to what it means to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because you have to be that way. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you chase every cloud that goes by. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, exactly. This is a shiny new object. When I first told my wife and kids I was going to sell uh, canned oxygen, they thought I was crazy. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so, <laughs> no, one had, no one had ever done it before. And, and like, you know, it takes some time. You know, to educate and say, well, this is going to be, this is going to be a really good thing. Yeah. You don't have to convince yourself. You got to convince everyone else around you. And uh, that's, that's uh, 95% of the battle. Absolutely. So one question I ask everyone I talk to, what would you tell your younger self? Oh boy. Um, I would say, you know, uh, younger self, just keep your nose down. I, I, I worked really hard in my 20s and 30s and 40s to get to where I am today. And, uh, you know, I think it served me well. You know, to be patient, to stay true to your values, to I like, do the right thing, even in the dark. Always be able to look yourself in the mirror and be proud of what you're doing and who you become. It's always what I sort of live by. It's like as long as I can look at myself in the mirror and, and be happy with what I was doing and, and the way I was doing it, then that's what I would tell my younger self: is just be able to uh, answer to yourself and, and be happy with that that answer. And that's a great answer to the question. Thank you. To learn more about Rob Nooner and Boost Oxygen, go to boostoxygen.com. From there, you can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Pinterest. Rob, thanks very much for the conversation today. I learned a lot. It's, it's been great. Steph, thank you, Steve. That was, that was a wonderful experience. This has been a Trouble Group podcast. Learn more about us at troublegroup.com. If you're a troublemaker and want to be on the podcast, email steve at troublegroup.com. Thank you.